Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. I'm Sam Moores. And with us this week, we have Matt Pry. Hello. Hello, thanks for having me back. Yeah, welcome back. Um, for for those that have not come across you before or not listened to your previous episode on here, um, can you tell a little bit about sort of who we are and what do you do? Yeah, my name's Matt and I am the editor-at-large of uh, Autocar Magazine, which is the world's oldest surviving uh, motoring title. So it was established in 1895 and is still going every week, 127 years later. I've been there... 17 years, um, 18 years in a few months, I think. And uh, my job title has changed a little bit over the years, but I basically do the same thing, which is drive cars, write about them and talk about them. And eventually everybody gets, you stay at a magazine long enough, everybody gets editor in their job title <laughs> somewhere. So we've, you know, associate editor, executive editor, protest editor, sub-editor, managing editor, blah, 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 blah editor-in-chief. So I'm editor at large, which means I'm out and about quite a lot. Cool. Well, you were on the podcast. It was about it was about a year ago, um, and actually, since since you came on the podcast, I for uh, Christmas asked someone for a subscription. So for oh, people, super. Um, and weirdly, actually, I had access to it before then uh, in digital form. But I decided it was quite nice to have a bit of written paper, um, and it is. I find it exceptionally useful. Uh, there's lots of stuff. What I've realised now, getting something once a week. Um, I've sort of bookended it. I've got Autocar that comes once a week and then I've got Road Rat that comes every three, four months or something. Um, and I've realised with something that comes once a week, sometimes I read it front to back, but probably what I do is I read, I don't know, 75% and I'm like, yeah, there'll be another one by the time I've finished this or not finished this, the next one. <laughs> yeah. I think that's not unusual. Right. I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fairly typical use case. And we're also aware that for people who don't subscribe, they might not get it every, every week. But if you, um, mm. 
you know, if you if you did try to keep on top, of it, it's a bit. I sort of think of it a bit like something like the Sunday Times magazine or something. You know, it's it's around and you, you'll sort of flick through it a few times in the week. Yeah. But you may not get through everything, and then another one turns up. Yeah, you know, before you've before you before you've done. But it's the nice thing is it all gets it all gets in there. You know, if you if you want to know which uh, the eighteenth compact crossover launch this year is, you know, it's it's in the, it's it's all in there. All the news is it in is. there. All the features are in there. You know, it's uh, it's comprehensive completely. And it's and the back issues are really useful. Uh, you said you said then the you know the digital subscription, which is great, but it's very searchable. And since we last spoke, um, the entire archive has been digitized and put online. Oh, nice which is amazing and it's still a sort of beta-y type thing so it's mm. um so the search is not as the search is is not as slick as it hopefully will be in the end but it's an incredibly useful tool you know what do we that think is... of the hillman imp in 1965 where you can go back and find out exactly <laughs> you know it's all yeah. there it's everything is in there that is because I, I i have what do i have access to i have access to basically the digital version of this through mm. Mm, something else um but not the the sort of official digital yeah. stuff. Um, and often I am, I'm looking at cars. I want to buy a car or just interested in a car. And I want to know the auto car nerdy stuff. Mm. I want to know like how, what the dimensions of the boot are or yeah, yeah, what totally. the, yeah, the totally. road noise is at yeah. a certain speed. Mm. Um, Which is not always right. easy to find through google at the, at, at the drop of a hat is it and it's yeah it's nice to no and it's a really useful arc i mean i find it obviously i find it very useful <laughs> even if i'm not doing work work i still find it a useful thing because so much of my leisure time is cars and stuff as well so yeah yeah, really yeah, useful yeah. Back um you what what have you been driving this week you've been driving anything this week uh what am I driving this week? Um, not loads. Actually, we had a big awards ceremony last week, so I haven't been driving ah, yes. lots. Um, but I've just finished writing this morning. I've finished writing about a car called the Smith Vehicle Engineering Aletha, which is yeah, yeah, which is a BMW Z4 that looks like a Z8 coupe, uh, which I drove a few months ago. Uh, well, no, about a month ago, and um, the deadline was actually the deadline was the end of last week, which basically means Monday mm. morning before anybody turns up. So I got up early to just read through that once more. And it's great. I thought it was really good. It's just sounds. So taken a Z4, left the yeah. monocoque largely unchanged, put a carbon fiber body, coupe body on it. Um, put uh, the V8, which is effectively from that late 2000 era M3 GTS, which is the E90 Three. Okay. Yeah. M3. I get a bit BMW codes leave me a little bit Dunno. lost at times. Um, so 4.4 litre V8 with 450 horsepower. Yeah. And it's just terrific. There's they, two brothers. Two brothers have made it. Both engineers, not designers, even though it looks a million dollars. And um, it's just really interesting and beautifully done. And it's good to drive. But what I like about them is because they're sort of very straightforward engineers, they're like, yeah, we know the ride's a bit harsh at the minute. There's too much steering kickback and we've got this and that still to do. And it's a bit like buying a used car from somebody who's very straight about a car's faults. Yeah. You know, you, you instantly go, oh, okay, all right, that's – you're not trying to hide anything from me. This is where yeah. we are. And you just very quickly assess those things and go, oh, yeah, okay, they need a bit of work. But the rest of it is just mega and fantastic. So I'm, um, I have been seem to have been spending a lot of time in – in or around or talking about resto mods of late. Yeah. It seems to be a thing. The the Smith Aletha, and it's, was it Kais and... I can't yeah, Kais and Willem, yeah. They, um, we were meant to have them on the podcast, um, mm-hmm. and we've we've tried to record twice, and they're, um, 
their internet has been subpar. They've just moved oh, as well. Yeah, that's right. And, They're in Nashville, um, haven't they? Instead of San Diego. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think we were recording, we were trying to do it again this Thursday. And they're like, yeah, no, um, unfortunately we've got some sort of, they've got satellite internet or something. Oh, it's like, you know, like a dial up 56K or something, (laughs) something vintage like that. Um, So we'll do it at some point. But that, I can't remember where, when I first heard about it, but it it is one of those things you're like, that just looks cool. Looks Mm. cool. Sounds like it's very nice. Um, that, That bit about them being straight up about, you know, you've got an issue. I find... Often, recently I've been perusing cars and been to showrooms and looked at stuff and driven things and whatnot. And sometimes you talk to the salesperson and you go, ah, yeah, but this annoys me. Mm. And they, they're they like, yeah, fine. Like, okay. Or sometimes they just go, what are you talking about? You, you say the ride quality is awful. And they go, no, what are you talking about? It's great. And like, okay, well, I can't even talk to you anymore because... Yeah. I've object. I've driven a lot of cars, and this is awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Objectively, car, whatever. Yeah, this is not my opinion. This is not. I don't like Radio Three. This is. This is hard. This is vertical. And that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? And that's yeah. And I just. I'd much rather when you read an, an advert, a classified ad. This is the best you'll see. You'll buy it. Don't waste my time. No offers. Blah blah blah. I instantly think I'm not going to buy this car from you. Absolutely no. not. But if somebody says this is what I've done, this is what's good about it. This could do with a bit of work, and I just think, well, there you go. That's you know, I would. I'm much happier with people who who put their hand up and go, yeah, no, that's that's that's. I think there's that's not perfect, and I know it. Reasonable evidence that if you do, if you say it's perfect, etc., you basically knock about ten percent off the value, really? at least because oh, excellent. Because people go, you're bullshitting. Yeah. So if you're bullshitting, that means something's going to be wrong and I'm mm-hmm. going to have to factor that in. Whereas yeah. I learned ages ago, actually from eBay, if you just literally just list every single thing, take photos of every scratch, you come across as the person, you've told them everything. Yeah. So they know. They know exactly. Yeah. They'll pay exactly the right amount for it. Whereas if you go it's perfect and there's one photo that doesn't really show the thing. You're like, I mean, it's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, have you driven, have you driven like all of the resto mods now? Now that, uh, that is actually a very serious moving goalpost at the moment. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? I've driven ones. most, I would say, I haven't driven a singer uh, 911 at okay. all, um, but I did drive a Gunther Works 993 the other week. Driven Ooh. an Alphaholics GTAR, which is still my benchmark. I, I mean, I like small cars anyway, but I think that's yeah. just fantastic. Uh, yeah, I've driven a lot, but yeah, like you say, it's a fairly moving set of things. So I wouldn't like to say all because you'll you'll name one, you'll name four, and I'll go no, no, no. I, no. I think <laughs> but, I could list about four within the last month that yeah. have come out. And it's, even I am starting to get a bit like, okay, hang on a minute. (laughs) The interesting thing is because there's there's a lot, but they're they're all built in such small volumes that they, all of them combined wouldn't keep Lamborghini Huracan production going for a week. Do you know what I mean? It's that they're they're such small numbers, but I don't know, but I do find them, I still find them interesting, I think, but Mm. I'm getting a little bit more choosy about the mice, but not choosy is the wrong word, a little bit more uh, 
when when you first when first resto mods first started appearing, I just thought, oh, they're all great. This is all fantastic. And now yeah, I'm being yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. more, um, you know, and somebody goes, well, this is half a million pounds, and we've done this to it. And I'm starting to go, ooh, well somebody will do a lot more than that for a bit less than that. And it's, and that, but that's yeah. the nature of a, an increasing market, I suppose, isn't it? You know, if you're the only person doing something, you can charge what you like, but actually when there's, yeah. if there are 20 resto mods to choose from, you might start being a bit more uh, objective about them. And you also have some things to com- compare against. Mm. Yeah. You go, actually, I, th- I think the first, the first resto mod was probably the Eagle. I th- I, yes. I think I'm fair. not yeah. really aware of one that was, I'm sure there was something before yeah, that. Maybe people were messing but certainly not of forever. that. Uh, not at that level. I don't think was it. I think that's no. that's a, a particularly high level. A sort I've of not driven product from. sold. Yeah. Um, but then you get in because I, and I now I've, I've been in quite. A f- I've been in quite a few. I've not been in the bloody alcoholics. I'm, that's working progress, oh, but it, yeah. it, it'll happen at some point. Um, I drove. I've, I have actually driven a singer, but not um, just like round town. Okay. And a short little, little bit quick somewhere, but not really. Um, but I drove the. Oh my! I've completely forgotten. It's a company based near Oxford, and yep. they do what looks like a singer. Um, and not, it's not Tuthill Porsche. No, 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 no. It's like a, it's like a, a product. Oh, um, I think I may know. Uh, I think I may have you mean, but I can't I remember. I did a that. photo shoot for them, and I've driven one of the customer cars. Um, they've only done about five, right? But it basically very similar sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Do they take a nine six four? Yeah, nine six four carbon body from you know zero. Um, the guy Adam Hawley is the designer, and it's his company. But I've I can't for the life of me remember what the car's called. Um, and do a similar sort of thing. Like, And, and mm. I went to them and saw um, a car all the way through the stages. So they, they had a 964 that was just arrived, um, which I just took for a little spin around the block. And then they had, you know, the chassis and then the finished one at the same time. Um, so you got to see all the, the design and the, all the design underneath, which was quite interesting. Oh, that's cool. It's like, yeah. rather than just the finished yeah. finish. Um, and... I mean that 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 those cars are like four hundred, okay. Um, and I I don't know. Singers, you run into an issue where because you've got to pay the tax, um, they get quite a lot more expensive when you try yes. and bring them over. Yeah. Um, but I think they're about five, five. Yeah, I think they are at least, aren't they? Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And actually, my takeaway, they take this with a pinch of salt, but like they were quite similar. Now, I'm not saying. Any resto mod is like a singer. Mm-hmm. These two, they just approach the same problem in a similar manner to a similar level of detail. Okay. Um, and they drove very similar. Um, and they both actually had, and I don't know whether singers have changed now, a very weird throttle situation. Um, because they were all on carbs and like throttle bodies, etc., the throttle ped- pedal is really stiff. Like oh, okay. The first bit of travel, first like three centimeter, maybe really, mm. really stiff. And then when the cam kind of comes on, then you can like push it, which made short, like town driving or oh, yeah, uh, okay. one of them. I had to, I had to like launch off 
up a, like a steep hill in a, like a T junction and just like you know uh, giving it all the you're, beats. Yeah, you're either but gravelly think, think away the, or a barrel load of revs. But yeah, the, the singer I drove was a very early one, and this was I think number three of these guys, and it was something they were working on. But it, it was interesting that they both had the same. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, if you apply the same, it's not that. When you think about it, you're like, hmm, okay, they've done the same thing to the engine. It's connected yeah, in I the same if, way. I wonder if do standard 911s of the same era have the same effect? I don't think so. Mm. And I think it's because they're not throttle bodies and you've not mm. got the cable and you're not yeah. opening all of these things. Like you've added a lot more force and tension. Oh, that's a fair point, isn't it? Yeah. Onto yeah, you the are, cable. You are physically moving a lot more through the. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then some people have now gone to electric, whatever. But it was, it was my takeaway from driving those two was like, if someone's done something, done it really well, and those were quite high end, you get a lot of, they're going to be quite similar. Like, I think that's probably fair, be, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, have you driven the Kingsley? Yes, I have. Yes, which um, um, which I enjoyed. I think my, my thing about old cars, and I enjoy them a lot, and I have several. But the um, but what I as the, as they wear and get older, metal fatigues, and they weren't built with as much torsional rigidity as yeah. a new car in the chassis in the first place. So when you drive an old car and you sort of take up the initial bit of the steering there's all that bit in the body as it's slowly coming together. It's slowly stiffening itself up to move. And, you know, one, they were more flexible in the first place. And two, the last 40 years hasn't done many favours. So you can weld them up a bit and you can do this and you can do that. Um, and I really like that the, the sort of Kingsley mooches around, doesn't it? And it's, you know, yeah. but it still feels like a, a bit like a classic car, even though it's a, a resto, yeah. resto mod to an extent. Um, and that's the thing I think about things probably like, the higher end singers and the alcoholics and the Gunther works car that I drove a few weeks ago. So they stiffen the shell at the same time. And then that makes an old car feel a lot more modern in terms of its mm. kind of in terms of its steering precision. Mostly that's the real thing. You know, you don't, you don't have that sort of slackness around straight ahead that some old cars do. You get much more direct. Yeah, like- I've got an old Beetle, which has got a, yeah, exactly. I've got an old Beetle, which has, has got a cage in it and it's mostly rubbish. But the one nice thing about it is that because it's quite stiff, you turn the wheel and the and you sort of take up the slack straight away and you go, Oh, this is this is this is very nice. It steers very nicely, which is the only nice thing about the entire thing. But I think there's um <laughs> and I think so I like old cars that they where they do pay a bit of attention to the the stiffness yeah. of the, the shell. With the Kingsley it doesn't matter so much actually because it's not a it's a you know, it's a big old woofly cruising thing. I love the yeah. visibility of it too. You can see out oh, of it was- so brilliantly easily, can't you? I drove it around town and um, it was great. Like you could just like, you just look around and you can see everything. Yeah. You can see all yeah. the corners. Yeah. It goes like, it's a great really go anywhere, car, but yeah, great city car. <laughs> um, but now that one, I think, I think that, is it about 125? I think or so. It- yeah. I think, is it 125 plus the car or is it? Oh, I can't remember if that's all in or not. I think that's it's, always a yes. great caveat when you hear about yeah, some exactly. of these builds. Yeah, we like, do have to watch that. It's five hundred ground yeah. plus the car, plus the car. <laughs> oh, and quite often plus fat as well. Whereas a manufacturer, yeah. quite, so we so we have a spec panel with every first drive or review that we do, and you know that will be yeah, here is the price. And quite often for a resto mod, it is oh yeah, here is the price from 
from from X. Yeah. Mm. And uh, by the way, that's not including the original, which may end up needing more work, which could push price up. And uh, yeah, it doesn't include that. So you start working out and you go, no, oh, actually, what's what was 250, which is a lot of money, but you get a very yeah. nice car. You actually go, this is 600 grand by the time it sits on my driveway, which is quite a lot, really. It's, but, and then you take all these cars and okay, they're somewhat rare. So they're pretty pretty low production, et cetera. And some of them, you know, they're only going to make 20 or 30 or max like 100 and then they'll sort of stop. Um, and you get these, this serious price, which, you know, fair enough. They put the price, people buy them, mm. happy days. Yeah. Um, but then you look at stuff like an SF90. Now... Just from a like a technological situation, whether you like the SF ninety or not, I don't know. Um, but they, those start at like four hundred and something, mm. and it's got a thousand horsepower, and it's hybrid, and there's carbon everywhere, and yeah. it's like yeah, you go, yeah, and, and, oh, and the warranty a quid. <laughs> comes with it, you know, and they and they hold their value pretty well, and blah blah blah. Yeah, I think um, the SF ninety is not my favorite Ferrari at the moment, but it is it's a good, mine. it is a good car, you know, it, and. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. The impression I get from speaking to some of these, the makers of them, is they're dealing with people who've got big collections of cars already, and yep, dimin- yeah, you know, yeah. dimin- law of diminishing returns, whatever it doesn't matter. And actually, when they go to a cars and coffee meet or whatever, they like taking something that nobody else has got. And there's something I get. I, I understand that. Yeah, I get. I get that. And um, and there, but, but yeah, like I say, I think I'm becoming a little bit more objective about them as more companies. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I, I do, you know, independent reviews and they have a price attached. And, uh, you know, they, they, they're unlikely, though it may be. Some people occasionally get a note off of somebody who says, oh, yeah, you know, I was thinking about buying X and put one on the back of your review. I think it's a bit less likely nice. when it comes to a 600 grand resto mod. But, you know, there is, there know. is some activity involved. Yeah, you never know. Um, I've, I've, I've definitely, I don't know whether I've, such sold a car but i've definitely put some people towards some quite expensive things um at various points in time but then i guess it is one of those things of if you if you as an independent company and this is where you start to see the differences between the builds um if you're trying to create let's say oem level of quality and and some probably argue that it's above oem but in terms of like reliability and whatever OEM is a very, very high bar um, mm. to get to. And you're only making 10 cars. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the car is. It's going to be exceptionally expensive. It is. And you'll never get to... Oh, the guys from Smith were very straightforward about this because the the Aletha doesn't have a very different interior to a standard Z4. Mm. But they're so straightforward. They're like, well, look, BMW made these in, you know, by the tens of thousands a year. And we're going to make maybe a couple of dozen doesn't matter what yeah. we do we'll never make it to the same quality and but no. um, by by quality what well, I, I don't mean tactile material quality because yeah you just use more expensive leather and that's you know that's one area of quality yeah but from an engineering quality perspective which means building it exactly the same way every time and it will last one hundred and twenty thousand miles and 12 years and that's it doesn't if you're building 10 you will ne- you will never get to that unless you are charging you know, tens of millions for each one, yeah, just because exactly. you can't go through that process. You can't get through that process. And it's, uh, so it's, it feels, and some, some 
I think they're getting better. But I, so when I was dr- testing sort of Aston Martins of 10 years ago, they don't mm. feel as good inside as Porsche 911s in terms of fit and finish. You know, the material quality quality might be high. You know, the leather is yeah. nice and soft and, yeah, this aluminium is, is this and that. But they feel less precisely assembled than something yeah. built by the tens of thousands in a factory. And I think that's inevitable, really. Yeah, it is. And then and, and then you be, then you get companies, the one that everyone always lists is, is Bugatti on this scale. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, but they, they assemble yeah. and do and their building, stuff. Yeah, they're building 500. Everyone else. And they're, yeah, they're building, which is quite a lot by those sorts of standards. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah, and they've got a Volkswagen Group quality. And the first, bear in mind, the first Veyron didn't make it, you know, didn't make any money. And the Chiron has made money because they know what they're doing, but it's taken them... 50 when was it when did the veyron come out 2005 so it's taken them nearly 20 years to you know to, to before they finally gone oh yeah this is how we do this is how we yeah. do one of these and now we know how to make money off of a 500 strong production <laughs> yeah. and most companies would <laughs> we not can sell them yeah now we can sell them yeah now we can sell them properly and i think the first i think the first veyrons were they the the last of the veyrons they were sort of rolling out special editions of one and two in an effort to sort of try and get through them all and this time around they yeah, know different yeah, they know how to sell 500 and they've got a waiting list for the last, and the just in case anybody. Changed. What's that, sorry? <laughs> the market has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, like, I think so. I think there are more very wealthy people as well, aren't there? I think in the last 20 years. There definitely are. And then also their appetite for cars. Because mm. there's been people buying stupidly expensive art and boats for a long time. But um, to spend that much on a car, you've got to there's got to be something about the car to make it yeah. either the status symbol or the engineering yeah. or something to go. Yeah, yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll and I think that. that about, I think that even about uh, at a lower level, supercars, let alone hypercars. I think a lot of Bugatti, yeah. a lot of Chiron owners have more than one, but I also think about, because there seem to be a lot of mid-engine supercars on sale or appearing. Uh, so from yeah. the new Maserati MC20 to the Corvette, to the Ferraris, there and Lamborghinis there have always been and the McLarens and then Aston are going to launch one too and you go through and you think well you've got to really give somebody a very good reason to not buy something else at this point especially when some of them are so good they are so good and then for Maserati to come along and say yeah here go here's an MC20 ignore all of the other stuff and buy one of these you've really got to give people a compelling reason to do it. it can't just be pretty good it can't just be yeah just as almost as good as the other stuff it's got to do something fabulously well otherwise why would you you know why and why? do you, of the current crop of that level of car mm-hmm. do you think any the, the one i think that stands out for being pretty mad uh is the 296 gtb just yeah. purely just the performance like it's yeah. just nuts but aside from that, everything else is either a turbocharged V8 or now we're starting to see turbocharged V6s. Yeah. Um, and they're all a bit same. To me, they're all just quite same, same. Well, they certainly do the same, the same thing, don't they? That's, a, that's what strikes me. You know, if you have, if I, if you had a, a massive car collection, you need one. Because they all do the same. So if you're going to go, or right, I'm going to drive to a track day at Spa or Nürburgring, whatever, you yeah. you could take any you could take any of them, and they will do the same thing but slightly differently. So um, 
I suppose the the Lamborghini has the own the V10 engine on its side still, which is yep. which is which is mega. Maserati, I really enjoyed actually. It feels almost like a GT car, which is really cool. It's got a really um, a ride that breathes really easily, and you suddenly get in. Okay. Go, this is quite a relaxed mid-engine supercar. This is this is like the Ferrari, as you say, is just spectacular everywhere. I think. I was a, a massive fan of the 296 GTB. I think my personal preference would be for a slightly lighter car, but I understand they've got to have a plug-in hybrid at some point. Um, and uh, Corvette has got price on its side because it's it's quite cheap. Um, you know, given the given the amount of power it's it's got and everything else. The McLaren yeah. Artura, where I'm not driving, somebody from the Mag is driving next month, um, which will be interesting to see how that how that is. I think. I, I like McLarens a, a lot, but um, as one anonymous rival company CEO said, I couldn't sell different lengths of the same sausage at the same at the different prices that, that they do. McLarens are great, but they you know they have That's a similar true. carbon tub, they have the same, similar engine, they have a similar gearbox, they have a similar handling balance. You know, you you can make a GT car out of one if you try, but it's still got that sort of fairly hollowish thump to the carbon tub which between junctions 10 and 8 on the m25 is unbearably deafening yeah uh, and yeah just it just feels like hinge, hinging everything around that one philosophy is is not helpful i don't know why you would choose one mclaren over 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 another except one's a bit quicker and one's a tiny bit more comfortable so on and so yeah forth. i think that and i think that's a i think it's- that is a is an issue for their incoming new CEO to to deal with when he when he arrives. Uh, it makes buying this like I could see why his previously and they, they are now with the Archer whenever that turns up. Um, that is different from the next level of cars. Yes, it's, it's now got a different power plant, but it's going to yeah. be as fast. Yeah, pretty um, much. The previously the suspension. So you get the trick suspension on your 720 yes. or whatever, yeah. which you don't get on others, which is cool. It is but cool. in terms of like speed and, and active, not a lot in it. No, and act, I think, so the differences were active aero, the suspension and sort of some of the body construction, wasn't it? And that was what separated a sports series from a super series. But they're pretty niche. Yeah. They're pretty niche things, you know, whereas the things that separate a Ferrari 296 from a GTB from an 812, well, this one's got a, a V12 engine and it's in a completely different place. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's different from the California again and the, you know, and a bit the Roma again, whereas, and, and you know, the difference between a Lamborghini Huracan and uh, the V12 is, is, you know, cylinder, cylinder count plus general attitude. So I think it's, um, and I, th- I think it sort of tells in the, in the residuals a bit as well, you know, they've had a, a sort of conf- slightly confused range with a lot of niche model, a lot of special edition models and stuff like that. And I think it's, um, you know, could just do it, just make it simpler, make it simpler for us. Yeah. Put, put bigger differentiation in between. I'll be interested to see if there was the plan that they, they said, well, we make money out of three model ranges, sports series, super series, and uh, the ultimate series, the, you know, which they'll make now and again, that will make yeah. enough money that we'll never have to make anything with five doors or an SUV. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether that's still the case. Still the case, yeah. especially. Like, I don't know whether we'll see it. Will we see it with manufacturers? Where, because um, if you make an EV, let's say an EV SUV, like you know, there's going to be a lot of them around. Um, there are a lot of them around already. <laughs> yeah. If you make one of those and sell a lot, mm. 
then can you still make something stupid with a combustion engine or those engines are just going to disappear? Well, you can you certainly can for the short term, but I I my understanding is that manufacturers are still hoping that they will be able to for the longer term as as well. Um but it slightly remains to be seen. So at the, at the, in the European regulations at the moment there is I mean and let's not forget in some countries they don't they don't have the upcoming prohibition yeah. on internal combustion that we do. So they can still do them there. Now my understanding is that in the EU uh, the regulations say that if you sell fewer than a thousand cars a year, you are a micro manufacturer, and therefore you are out of scope of the regulations. So you can kind of okay. do what, what you like. Now, no, none of the big manufacturers will say um, they won't want to sell fewer cars. So they'll all be yeah. guided by the, guided by the legislation. But I, there, whether there's a possibility that they would hive off, so Porsche would make a okay, this is. This is GT. This is a separate manufacturer mm. called GT, and it makes GT3s, and they've got internally combusted engines running off of biofuels. Yeah. Um, or not? I don't. I mean, I, I, short of it, I don't. I don't know. And the UK legislation is still effectively based on the on the European stuff. I think it says if you sell fewer than a thousand cars in Europe, you're out of scope. But I don't. I don't know when that's going to be updated. I did speak to an engineer the other day who said, no, I think actually they, they may well clue, they may well close all of these loopholes. So at some point um, you won't be internally combusted. But by then, uh, who by the time it comes, who knows? Because it, it, the, the, the Europe, the uh, EU is, is focused on a, a hydrogen um, future for central heating and aerospace and shipping. And if you've mm. got to put the infrastructure in for that, then you could use that if you wanted to for some niche vehicles, I guess. Yeah. You know, if, I mean, at the moment there's 10 hydrogen charging stations in the country, so it's no use, you know, no use making anything with a hydrogen engine. But if every port and every airport and some long distance trucking stuff has an outlet and everybody's gas central heating is going to move that way, if it is, um, yeah. then, you know, you then if it's more available and you think, well, actually a hydrogen internal combusted engine is pretty clean and would be cool then you maybe you can do it yeah we'll see it's, it's mm. i mean who knows um, who knows i mean predominantly uh, battery electric vehicles are fine for most people i'm um, yeah. and there are companies whose sole survival depends on on people wanting their cars you know if you if you're a premium manufacturer or a sports car manufacturer you the reason you the reason people come to you and they don't go to a mainstream manufacturer is they want what you make. So you still, they've still got to find a way to make those cars attractive, uh, even without an engine. Now, that's nothing, you know, we like the noise and everything else, but if there's, if the, there's nothing intrinsic to the way a car drives, that means, you know, a, apart from the sound, there's, there's no reason you couldn't get electric powers to simulate everything an internal combusted car does except at the moment batteries are a bit heavy mm. and but and also at the moment even we've got i don't know how many electric hypercars we have at the moment four five i don't know about that, or, isn't it? Or, I think, or, yeah something like that of the main ones mm. um but i don't believe they've sold that many um no i i hear similar yeah i hear similar but and the acceleration is i've driven one which is the Pininfarina Batista. Acceleration's mm. terrific. And actually the torque vectoring it does around corners and stuff like that. It didn't finish it didn't feel totally finished and set up because I don't think it I don't think it was. But it 
the way it can move itself around and shuffle power around the motors in the corner is really cool. And that's more interesting and actually more yeah. engaging than just the speed. Because by the time you felt the acceleration once, you go, oh, well, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's actually what you can what you can do with it by putting power where you want, when you want, that is the more interesting bit. And the way it drove in corners excited me more than the way it went down a straight. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to is the mm. ground up EV sports cars or road cars or whatever, but just built from zero and removed yeah. any existing hangovers from a combustion yeah. engine, yeah. styling, etc. whatever. Um, yeah. and just go what cool stuff can we what do cool stuff can we do yeah i mean i'm gonna be really interested to see what the the next gen porsche cayman is like um mm. when that's battery electric because the Taycan is terrific but it does feel a large car um yes but i think i would i would find one more in, I, I do find one more engaging to drive than a than a panamera and they do a similar similar thing and i you know so I, that I was really like the way a Taycan goes down the road those two I drove um, this, like stupid versions of each. Turbo SE Hybrid Panamera and Turbo S Taycan. Naming stuff. Um, but, but drove those both to back to back. It was at, um, at Millbrook. And mm. I got out of the Taycan and was like, I would have the... It, if you, for me, the range is not quite there. It's not quite there yeah. For, yeah. for me for that car. But I would have a Taycan over a Panamera. I think I, I especially think I, a hybrid one. Um, yeah, I, I just I, thought I, it was I, a better totally. car. Yeah, I think so. I think the best Panamera is probably uh, pure internally combusted because um, that's the lightest. Usually, the best the best version is the lightest one, and that's certainly the case with the Panamera. I think, and I'm yeah, I'm with you. That I th- I do think in there there will come a time when we look back on the battery technology in these cars and we'll think the range wasn't good enough and the weight was was too much. You know, in at some point, we'll be looked back going, it, we had to do this, but actually we were making the best of limited technology yeah. at the time, which, you know, which is, you know, you know, maybe inevitable things get better. So, so of course we will look back, but I think, yeah, people look back and go, cool, oh, blimey. Yeah. That was, do you, do you remember having to wait? I, I drove back from <laughs> Somerset last night in, I'm running a Polestar two, which okay. I took down to, to Somerset for the weekend and um, needed to stop on the way back. Uh, to charge it would have been yeah it, it wouldn't have even been mar- it would have been marginal to get back to the to a bunch of chargers that i know well on the way back that are really powerful up on up on the yeah. a34 and i thought no i better charge while i'm down while i'm down here and uh and it's sunday evening in the west country so of course there's loads of people coming back to you know the southeast yeah. of england and um yeah went to one charger it wouldn't connect uh and, and the others were awful. Went to another one, didn't work at all. Went to another one, nabbed the last one, and three or four people turned up while I was while I was there. And you just you know you just get to the stage of thinking it's still not it's still not going to. And for the first three or four weeks of having this car, I couldn't charge at home, and that's a real worry. Is the number of people who cannot charge an, an EV at home at some point by the time they need by the time they're driving an EV, that's that that square's got to be circled because it's or the other way. Whatever yeah. it is. But anyway, that's got to be sorted because they looked, I, you, I saw you know. something uh, could have even been in autocar. I don't know. Um, I think well, maybe on Twitter or something and a, a council or someone from their house, they didn't, they couldn't park the car 
outside there. They could park the car outside the house, but it was like free mm-hmm. parking. Um, and they'd cut through the pavement just a little channel. Oh, a little channel. Just like a, yeah. A, just a little hole. Yeah. Um, and then ran the cable through there. Because that's yeah. one of the things everyone's moaning that, like, yeah, you can't yeah, run cables. Because other trip hazards or whatever. That's quite a neat idea, that, isn't it? A little, a little channel or a, and, or some kind of, some kind of weird gantry, which is which would also be a bit a bit of a clumsy solution. But the little channel, yeah, I think is quite a, a little channel idea, that you yeah. can drop the cable into. Yeah. Um, you could do that in front of every single house. Yes, and that would the number they were talking about was like thirty percent extra people could charge at home. Oh, it's a big difference, isn't it? Yeah, makes which a big difference. makes a big de- difference. Yeah. Um, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. But it, yeah, it's interesting. I was chatting to an engineer this week. I can't remember what he's called. We were talking about EVs and charging and different things. And uh, one thing he brought up, which I thought was quite interesting, was he was saying, as much as people believe the opposite, having a heavy EV is not a massive disadvantage. Um, because in terms of apparently the way it well, drives? In, uh, in terms of range. Oh, yes. No, I, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because of uh, apparently regen braking is something like 90% efficient. There are some caveats yeah. on that, but like it's pretty efficient. And then as long as you're, then it's down to frontal area really. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Once you're yeah, up to, I've, up to moving. From my memory of um, aerodynamics lectures, I think 30 to 40% of, and this was an internally combusted car, 30, 40% of all of the things that hold a car back is, is aerodynamic drag and then mm. so if you so and that was on an internally combusted car which has got a lot more friction in the drivetrain than a, an ev so it may even be more in an ev and i um yes knowing that i wanted to get back to tot hill services yesterday i sat behind a truck on the a303 for a bit and watched my yeah. anticipated battery on arrival go from naught percent to two percent just by yeah. cutting out that bit of drag and um yeah so yeah if you can uh I've got a big, I've got a thing for small cars. If you can reduce the frontal area of a car, you absolutely, yes, you absolutely should do, which is the problem with SUVs having undone basically all of the aerodynamic, all of the mm. efficiency, the thermal efficiency that internally combusted cars have gone through through the last two decades has basically been undone by the fact that people have bought more SUVs. So yeah. we're in a place of emitting as much CO2 as we had, as we would have done. Um, have we made no, in, no, imp- have made no changes to cars at all over the past couple of decades. Yeah, not that I, um, I'm condoning um, going around and slashing the tires of uh, no, SUVs. No, that no, a, that, that's someone yeah, else's that's, property. <laughs> oh, it's just—it's one of these things. Why? 
it attacks the private individual and makes their yeah. lives considerably worse for something that is not necessarily their choice. You know, my yeah. my problem is that is the is the private individual always the one who ends up suffering as the result. You know, uh, you know, club. You shouldn't fly to Portugal on holiday. Somebody will say, "Well, why, hang on a minute. Why, why not? Why, why not? It's it's. Why shouldn't I go? Why shouldn't people be able to do nice things? The technology should be there, and the legislation should be there to encourage us to find ways that we are allowed to do things. We shouldn't stop doing things yeah. that we've been. You know that, that the world has allowed us to do. The modern world has allowed us to do. You know, it's. Um, I don't think reducing travel. I don't think reducing people's ability to get around and um, see other people and engage with other people and create amazing, you know, amazing things. The vaccines for coronavirus were invented by um, in Germany by people who had migrated to Germany. They had traveled to Germany from somewhere else and then found a life there. Travel is brilliant. Travel is what we should all do because it's, 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 encourages scientific and political and everything. People need to move around. People need to move around and people should be allowed to move around as freely as they possibly can, as much as they possibly can um, to engage with other people around the planet. It makes the, it makes the world smaller. It makes the world better. The idea that you should suddenly not do stuff really winds me up. We should find ways that people can do stuff, not stop people doing stuff. Yeah. Just change, change it, change it. And yeah, then make it yeah. better, sort of thing. Um, I, I know who it was. It was David Tuig. Hello. Oh, yeah, honestly. okay. Yeah. Um, and who, yes, who's what, a very big fan of the small car. Yes. Created the A110. Yeah. Yes, and, and a bunch of small city cars and things as well. Mm. Um, but the we also I also posed the question, because I thought it was it's very interesting for the EV space. It's like, how far can we go on efficiency of an EV, like compared to now. Because yeah. you look at like that Mercedes project that came out recently, and I find it quite reassuring that they, at least a, from a marketing turn, are pushing out this, we're going to make our cars more efficient. Yes. We're not going to talk about range. We're not going to yeah. talk about putting 150 kilowatt hour batteries into cars. Mm. We're going to talk about doing more with what we've got. And I, I pose the sort of question of like, where we are now uh, in a, let's say a sensible shaped vehicle. Um, I have a little E208. I'm pretty sure that's definitely not the most efficient for its size, but it's, it's okay. And I mm-hmm. get about 3.8 miles per kilowatt hour ish, ish in town. I can get a bit more if I drive like super sensible um, and you can get less if you, over 80 or something but where can we push that and he was like i don't think you can get double but we've got quite a lot in a long way to go from ground up fully built evs um so at least like rather than me getting four he's like you might be able to get like seven or eight or something you know six seven eight which yeah and that's on current battery and motor technology that's uh, th- no that's just in terms of improving rolling resistance and he's like we've no, got a lot of way to go with things okay. like bearings and stuff like right. that it's like you could spend more and evolve the tech on mm. the bearings and all those sort of little resistance type stuff 
and you know massaging the shape and whatever um which if we can get to that level let's say your small car does seven miles per kilowatt hour which is basically that's getting up to sort of double ish what i would get um you don't need a big battery pack and if you no, don't exactly. need a big battery pack no. then you get all this other virtues not necessarily well, yeah. being lighter but just nice charging everything yeah exactly yeah takes yes exactly takes less time to to you you can you get the choice don't you you either you can either reduce the battery size and have mm. a nicer car to drive and a, a better packaged car or uh keep the same battery size and um you get more range stupid amounts of range like, yeah you could yeah that, really miles. That, that mercedes concept was eqxx is that the concept yeah that's, yeah and uh so i think my my understanding is so battery electric vehicles are much more efficient thermally efficient than internally combusted cars which is why if you then go and drive one in winter the range goes down because mm. it's actually running closer to its efficiency already whereas an internally combusted car makes so much heat and so much noise yeah that actually the power is not quite a byproduct but you know it's always got heat to spare so it doesn't matter if it's cold outside because it just gets yeah. too hot anyway um so the range is unaffected and uh, it's, so it's just then a characteristic, basically, of battery electric that they will vary depending on the weather a bit um, mm. because, you know, batteries are more susceptible. They don't generate heat to spare like an internally combusted car does. And uh, it's, difficult, it's difficult, though, isn't it, to, to pitch to somebody, you've been driving a car for the last 30 years and its yeah. range has been the same all year round. And here's a car now. And by the way, if you drive in winter, it won't go as far as it will in summer. People, yeah, understandably, we go. Is that better? Yeah, <laughs> is it really better? But doesn't sound um, better. <laughs> doesn't sound better. It doesn't sound better. It sounds less convenient to me. Um, and uh, yes, and to, an, and to an extent, it is. But you know, my the battery on my smartphone doesn't last as long as the battery on my old Nokia ninety two ten. True. Whatever. Uh, but it does a lot more, so that's okay. You know, so I and I you can up plug it in because it does better things. Yeah. So um, so yes, yeah, so we just got to. I think the. You know, they've just got to do better things than the alternative, which yeah. is difficult because batteries are expensive. Uh, so it's hard, you know, and they're up against something that's been developed ruthlessly for 120 years in a very tightly regulated industry. So it is, you know, it's 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 a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Yeah, it's not totally straightforward. But I'm in. I'm in. I like. I like a lot of the EVs, and if I can fit into a life with one given the kind of mileage and driving I do, they're fine. They are fine for most people. And actually, yeah. since I've been able to charge it at home, it is, a, I, can, I can, yeah, it's, it's not, a, it's occasionally a bother, but most of the time it's absolutely fine. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, it, it could be the thing for most people, but there are like quite a lot of asterisks at the moment. Of yeah. Like, you need yeah. to know and you need to be a yeah, bit and most of those will go away and some some won't some will you know yeah. some will some will some will stay but that's okay because there'll be niche little niche choices for those who's you know for the use case that doesn't quite doesn't quite yeah. suit you know maybe and they will be fine for most people long range and you have a hydrogen car yeah. or something or yeah and whatever. what I, I tell what what frustrates me is the idea that everybody's determined they're right about a particular yeah technology and i can't be i it's just i can't be asked it's just that there's going to be there there are a lot of technologies battery electric will it will be fine for most it will be fine for most reducers that will be okay 
and the next generation of battery will come along and that will make it even better again. And like you say, if these, you know, efficiencies like David Tuig's talking about, you know, improve things again and things will get, things will get easier and better and so on and so forth. But to s- just the dismissal of other technologies and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and taking aside and going to say, I hate all electric cars or no, I hate all internal plastic cars. I hate hydrogen. I hate the, you know, just, just there's there's a lot of choice you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of choices through from uh you know from the smallest personal mobility through to the largest there's going to be a lot of a lot of options and you yeah. just choose the one that's right for you and yeah. hopefully i just i mean as long as i you know i can't be can't be bothered to have the argument about it because some are be- some are better at other things than others and ultimately they're all personal mobility and that's what interests me you know yeah. they're all cars or motorbikes or e-scooters or anything in between you know all of those and things there, there are, are what I'm into there's benefits and downsides to all things all brands yeah. Yeah, all yeah. types of cars and i've yeah. always found it interesting from the let's say the camera world of people mm. that got militant about I actually, I never met anyone that was really doing stuff and like getting on with life in their space that was insanely like brand loyal about a particular to the, they liked their stuff. They might've used a certain thing, but they would never just like neg everything else and be like, no, that's crap because it's a whatever. Mm. He's like, no, I've just chosen to use this. It's the best tool for the job. And I just get on with my life. I think Whereas, you're right. Yeah, from the photographers I know, that I, yes, I, I, I agree. You find somebody use this or that, or or or, or a trying some some trying another brand, and they go, "Yeah, I really like this about it." Yeah, yeah, really like this and this. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, that objectivity gets a bit lost, and that's I find that I find that a bit frustrating. I think it's I'm getting there with car brands. Like, mm-hmm. uh, if you'd asked me ten years ago whether I would have owned a, owned a Peugeot. I would have probably said no. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but now I look at Peugeot and go, I quite like the cars. Mm. And I look at companies like Kia. If, if you said you might buy a, yeah, a French car or <laughs> a car from somewhere else other than Germany for your main vehicle, um, I'd just be like, no, you're mental. But now there's so many other good options yeah. out there. So yeah. that, that is no longer... And even the quality, it used to be, yes, you get the German build quality, et cetera, but then that's not necessarily the case now. Like, no, I don't think it is. And I think if you if you look at customer satisfaction and reliability surveys, mm. it's certainly, it's certainly, it's certainly not the case. Yeah, I remember being on a Kia Rio, I think, launch in uh, about 2003 or four or something like that. And um, one of the honchos from um, from whenever it was, they were certainly together with Hyundai at the time. Hyundai Kia was a thing and they were saying, yeah, we want Hyundai and Kia together to be one of the top five global car companies. And, uh, they were nowhere near at the, certainly in Europe, nowhere near at the time. And I'm sort of, you know, people looking around going, really top five, really does that. And there they are at like, you know, three or four or whatever it is because they just make great cars and then go, you know what? We're so confident. Here's a seven year warranty yeah. in the way that some European manufacturers would not even dare. Seven years, seven years, hundred thousand miles. Quite a point. What? What? That? What? And they're well priced and everything else, you know. So it's, and I am, I am intrigued as to whether uh, the sort of premium manufacturers, uh, whether that prestige of the badge, how long that lasts, and if it lasts yeah. indefinitely or not, because they've moved down into the market space of 
Peugeot, Kia, yeah, you know, others. You can buy a compact SUV from Audi or Mercedes, or you could buy a Kia or a Peugeot, same size, same same price, same equipment. You know, why therefore does a premium German badge still have some premium and prestige and kudos attached to it? And with this shift towards EVs, all these brands yeah. have had an opportunity to go, let's nail this. Right? Yeah, because totally. if they've not made an EV and we've made, we're on generation two yeah. by the time they yeah. start, we're going to be way better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really, it's an, it's a really interesting time. And I, there's so many cars, mate. there's so many cars and so many brands and it's, it's the most interesting time to report on the industry since I've been reporting on the industry. Mm. I think. Yeah, so much change and from from EV, you know from EVs at one end to, to resto models at the other. There are so yeah. many cars. There are so so many cars. So I had a little look through um, the magazine this week, and this is going to come out way out of sync, so it doesn't doesn't matter. It's not not particularly oh, okay. news related, but um, yeah, like actually, I came across this on YouTube, and it was like the auto a, a car, um, and this title of the video is like best brand at the moment and it was like bmw wins best brand and then at the end <laughs> it's a little line and then you put sponsored <laughs> so oh, it reads is... as if it's a sponsored video so i could t- no so i tell you what i can tell you what i can tell you what's happened there is we do the we do our autocar awards yeah. and um we sit down all the journalists sit down and we do and we do the awards and then it's all decided and it's done. And then at some point, somebody last week has said, um, in somebody in the sales team has been approached by BMW and said, uh, have you done a video for the awards? And we've gone, no, not really. Yeah. Um, and I think I haven't seen, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen it on YouTube yet, how it, how it looks, but they've then basically, uh, yeah, they've sponsored the video, taken out an advert on the, they've taken effectively taken out an advert on the back of the fact that they have won an award. Yeah. Um, so let me have a look at videos. Yes. Why 20, why, why BMW is our best manufacturer sponsored. Yeah. But I can, I can, I can tell I get you it. with I get a great it. confidence. Yeah. That those things are decided well in advance <laughs> and independently by a bunch of journalists. And the fact that somebody's taken out an advert afterwards, um, yeah. you know, so, so, so a bit, it's in a way it's like a film, uh, advert appearing in a newspaper with five, st- with, by the way, this, this paper said it's a five star film. It's a, it's yeah. the same as that, basically. I, I, I get that's it. That's what's happened. It's, it's but it does. Uh, I and and actually, I I could and and would um, often get on my high horse about the difference between editorial con- content and sponsored content and everything else. And you know, and uh, one thing I do like about Autocar and Haymarket is they do make a distinction between the two. Mm. Um, very very plain, you know. Yeah. So two of the I, I just saw in the video that I, I think it was like mm. two cars. Um, M5 CS, I've not driven, yep. gets rave no, reviews. Um, yeah. oh, okay, you've it not was, driven uh, it fair enough. I think then. our only five-star road test car from the past 12 months. Um, and then when, but when you look at the, the car, as sort of from an outsider point of view, I've not driven it, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense as a car. Because you go yeah. well, surely that maybe like maybe the the M three that's like the M five CS would make more sense. Um, like having a big, massive luxury barge that's only got four bucket seats in it, or whatever, um, and then making it more hardcore, <laughs> less luxurious, um, 
and making it more hardcore and less luxurious. But it sounds like yeah. the suspension has got better. Yes, that's my um, yeah, that's my that's my understanding. I I haven't driven the, the CS, but my yeah, yeah. my colleague said it's yeah, it's no less it's no less comfortable. And it did win. I'm contractually obliged to pretend other car magazines don't exist, but it did win another magazine's car of the year. Yeah, uh, late last year, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, yeah, and, I'm and the other car, it. have you driven the IX? Yes, I have an IX. Um, an IX, yeah. What, what is was that? that what is video? that like? That's quite interesting. I, I think. I think. It, I just. It's in the video somewhere. But I think so. Um, yeah, I, I, I did do a video on it. It. Um, it's it's good. It's it's good. It's incredibly comfortable. It's incredibly refined. The ride is terrific, and it's very isolated. And there are very few cars, I think, that are as good on a motorway. It's incredibly quiet. Mm. Um, it's very spacious. It feels uh, suitably luxurious. BMW has retained a separate controller for the iDrive system. So although it's got a big touchscreen, okay, you've nice. also got the knob in the, on the center console, which um, some other manufacturers no longer have to their, uh, which is a shame, I think. So it still does that sensible stuff. Um, I like it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting looking car. I think it's a <laughs> it looks horrible. I'm just going to say it, but <laughs> I think it's really, t- I, mean, I don't, I've, I mean, I've written about it in that sort of what on earth are they, what on earth are they thinking? Um, is it meant to look like this? Cause some design sketches don't look that bad. When you see the early yeah. design sketches you go, Oh yeah, that looks quite good. And then you see it, I see it in the flesh and I just think, I don't No, yeah. I don't, I don't see this. Um, but yeah, it's beyond the uh, but beyond the aesthetic. It is mm. a it's a really it's a really interesting and good uh, luxury battery electric vehicle. It's a it's a cool thing. Um, I've got some colleagues have been out last week driving the really fast version. Okay, it's fast. Yeah. It felt quite fast to me already. They're the all quite XM, quick, aren't they? I think so. Um, so yeah, so that'd be yeah interesting. Know what that's like, but it's yeah, it's it's a cool. It's a it's a good it's a good car. The thing I sort of picked up from just hearing about it, reading about it, whatever, was, yeah, the point you pointed out about the, the sort of luxury side. It sounds like they've really embraced the let's make this a luxurious experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, to me, is really interesting because a lot of cars slightly fall down on that element, mm. even the ones that should. Um, I... Yeah. I'll have, I'll have told people by the time this comes out. I bought an E63 estate. Stupid Ooh. decision, but decided that I, I wanted, a, I needed a bigger car for the family stuff. Wasn't going to, didn't particularly fancy any of the SUVs, possibly a Range Rover at some point, but mm-hmm. all sorts of Range Rover issues. Um, and was like, yeah, okay, I should get an E-Class. And then was like, going to get a sensible one. Decided not to do that why not have a stupid engine but on the motorway it's got a lot of tire roar like oh yes okay yeah um it, it, like it's okay but it's definitely not like super refined mm. town speed it's, it's it's good um but then that's one of those things you go well this car should be quite refined i know it's the stupid it's got the stupid engine it's got big tires on it but like sort this out well, yeah, somehow but it still should be the idea is you jump you jump in it and you do 150 miles an hour between hanover and yeah stuttgart you know that's at in comfort you know and mm. with low noise levels yeah and i think that's 
accentuated in an EV because you don't get the engine noise in the background. So yeah. you notice the wind noise and the tyre noise more. And I think that's, um, and certainly I, I live quite near, you may see shadows going behind me. I live quite near a busy road. Yeah. And there's no, you can't tell the difference when an EV is going past to when a, no, and that's quite interesting, past, isn't it? It's the same amount of wind noise and road noise. So if you can find a way to reduce the engine noise inside um, an EV, then you, yeah, then you, then you've got something very refined. But it's, yeah, but it's all about that. It's all about the glass and the and the and just getting rid of that low frequency hum, yeah, um, of the tires. And I think you're right. I th- I saw some people who are doing a similar, uh, make a an advanced simulator the other day and they said actually a lot of manufacturers are focused quite heavily on ride quality um and uh noise levels at the moment because you notice those things a bit more when you don't have the yeah. the engine anymore um early evs were not great from ride quality either so not just not just, you, you don't just notice the the road noise they also because they're heavy and engineers didn't quite have a handle on um, the dynamics they were putting some quite thick anti-roll bars on. I think I heard yeah. David Pook, who's the right down to talk mm-hmm. about this. Um, and he said, you know, actually they're much better these days. The central gravity and center of roll is very low. So you can actually have quite a small anti-roll bar and still not the car still not be too rolly and too loose. And that therefore improves the ride quality. So um, I think we're getting, I think we're getting there. They seem to be getting better and better. Stuff's getting better. Drive. But you're Stuff right. An E63 of a car of that kind should have a mega engine, hot rod handling, but also be very quiet when you mm. when you want it to be. And the RS6 is noticeably better at that. Is it? That's interesting. Um, which is odd. And they're all on mm. stupid wheels. They've all got like the yeah, RS6 is like that twenty twos or something. Yeah, like. it doesn't help. Yeah, that latest I drove the uh, I drove and also I think as importantly was driven around in a the new Range Rover. Mm. The other week, and everything was, was on twenty threes. It was great, but I think, I think the, I think the short wheelbase and in its cheaper forms are the where it's a purer to what a Range Rover always was. But I think it's actually probably a better, a more convincing car. I think it does that better than it than it does the job of being um, a luxury car. And I don't know whether Jaguar cancelling the XJ the upcoming mm. XJ, which which they were going to make and have decided not to. I don't know whether at that point somebody went, well, you know what, maybe the Range Rover needs to do some of that luxury car chauffeuring thing, be, be driven around in the back of it. But it doesn't feel like it does that as convincingly as it does what a Range Rover always did, which is be uh, a luxury SUV um, for people sitting in the front, you know, at which it's still, at which the, the, the lower levels, but which are still a hundred thousand pounds, you know, it's an expensive car. Um, but at that lower level, it's still brilliant. I think, you know, absolutely terrific. But when you start to say, Oh yeah, here's the, here's the long one. It's only got four seats and it's got a table in the back and you sort of sit in the back on 23s and go, is this really, I don't know if this is really isolated enough for that, but it's in some, if you get the right variant, it's brilliant. Terrific. Yeah. Cause they, they made quite a big thing about the, like the the level of isolating your environment has gone up, mm. they say significantly, um, and then the noise cancelling headrests and stuff like that. That's right. Did, yeah. did it? Does yeah. it feel suitably chilled? The wafting the, around the, the smaller one does. Yeah, it feels terrific. And it's what I like about um, 
the ladder defender that came out sort of two years ago is that it's incredibly capable off road, but it's also very isolated and refined. Mm. And when you go off road, it tries to make life easy for you. So it's not like a Jeep where you get levers to, you know, to prod and pull and you get really involved. It's not a hobbyist four by four. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, if you've been driving it all day for work and you're going down and checking on some fields elsewhere and, or driving on a construction site or whatever, it just makes your life very easy. So at the end of the day, you're not as stressed and, and ruffled and the Range Rover takes that lot to the next it takes that sort of um capability and it adds more luxury and refinement yeah. and isolation to it so yeah it does it really does and if you are using it from that traditional perspective that you'd use a Range Rover for I think it's I think it's unsurpassed but I I think if you were looking for um a luxury limousine that's not necessarily where i'd where i go but it's it's hard if you're asking a lot of those cars a bentley ben tiger is asked loads i don't think i've said this, I've, I've written this and said it before a few times i think i don't think there's a car that's asked to do more than a ben tiger because it's all be a luxury car it's got to have a near 200 mile an hour top speed it's got a tow three and a half tons and it's got to go off road a bit you, you know if you're asking a car to do all of those things that's really hard if you just say all right you don't have to do 200 miles an hour you suddenly make yeah. life much easier for yourself, you know. So yeah, like um, your Range Rover, yeah, and I think that's yeah, that's where the Range Rover is. You know, it's at that stage where it's you know it's it's a car you could take um, to an opera, and then the next morning drive down to the bottom field, and you know then go to the shop, and then go somewhere else, so it, it pick up somebody from school, and then come home, and it will do all of those things. Um, but I don't know whether you'd you know want to spend loads of time in 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 the back of it and it doesn't have to do 200 miles an hour as a sports car so you know it's asked to do less and it's better for it yeah it's uh, that one is 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 so key i found i drove i've driven a few of various suvs whether it's like cayenne bentayga stuff like that um and then you get in the range rover and you're like oh no this one's actually like comfy (laughs) Like, yeah, like, it's that sort of hello old friend as you get in it's it. Just and like, off and, go, oh, yeah, and, and you, you go around f- corners and it rolls a yeah. bit and whatever. But like, yeah. it yeah. the fifty yard do, test, they do the ride quality and like that sort of plushness better, or that part of it, it is better than all of the other ones at that. Um, no, it won't go around the Nurburgring that fast. No, exactly. so what? that's right isn't it you know because if i'm going to go to the nurburgring in one i've got a trailer on the back with a with yeah. sports car it. so that's fine yeah, or i'm getting yeah. in my race car or whatever yeah exactly um, yeah exactly yeah which do you think what do you think is the comfiest family vehicle of any value so you need to be able to put a decent amount of luggage in it uh and, oh uh, rolls royce cruise around uh the big rolls royce phantom <laughs> i suppose is the, is if you but yeah the isolation in that is unsurpassed that's really spectacular yeah. really spectacular uh defend new defender is very good i think actually if you you know if you're if you were talking a sensible-ish i mean they are, yeah. they, they are expensive but um a sensible-ish price i think there's they're a sensible price they're like 50. It's context in it, I think, really. That's the truth Ish. of it, you know. But, yeah, they start at 40. But by the time you've got a nice one, you, you spend quite a lot more. Um, they're very they're very refined, very isolated, and very practical. Well, actually, the long one is very practical. The short one is surprisingly impractical for yeah. quite a big car. Uh, I, went, I went away to, to Wales uh, for, a, for a 
in one and it's sort of in a short one. Um, and it's sort of, sort of sticking stuff in the back and putting the back seats down again. It's not a lot of room. It's not a no. lot of room back here. There's less room in this than there is in my 2005 short wheelbase Defender, <laughs> which is a much smaller car, much, much yeah. smaller car. It's about the length of a Golf and the width of a Fiesta. And it can seat, seat six people. So how is this, you know, how is this new Defender, which will seat four and a bit and no luggage, you know? Um, yeah, it's a real, well, I drove with, Max, our photographer, over to the Gigatti factory in the east of France, and, it, and it's terrific on a motorway, even a short mm. one on knobbly tyres. Um, and it's amazingly refined, but you need a, a long one if you want family. Any family space, car. yeah. And then it's big, and then it's big for parking spaces and stuff like that. But Yeah, that's I it. Love them. I, I was very surprised. I had one for a little bit, um, and it it's just nice. It's like mm. in comparison to the old one, and I oh, drove an old one recently, yet. and you're like, "What? Well, hang on, when did they stop making these?" Like, <laughs> yeah, which is a it's interesting, that, isn't it? It's like it gave them a real, a real, a real problem with where to pitch all of the different models in the range. I think, yeah, because you know they carried on making the old one for so long that when you make a new one, you go, "Well, what? What is it?" and has a a sort of a, so effectively the new defender is kind of picks up from where the discovery four left off mm. really and then you get the discovery five and go well what does this do because yeah. if you push it too far up market it's a family wagon seven seat family wagon but if it's expensive isn't that a range rover yeah and that's um i mean the, the land rover range does does okay does good numbers and you know, there, there yeah. are some very core models that, that will do very well for them. And it's much more sensible than the Jaguar range, which they still don't, not entirely sure Jaguar Land Rover knows what to do with. But, but yeah, it's not a straightforward range. But Defender, for me, feels like Discovery 5, effectively. You know, it, no, it, I, it leads on from where the old Discovery was, which I think yeah. is a, which I still think is a terrific car. And, a, and it gets better and better looking all the time. I just, just looks fit for purpose. I love it. it Discovery does. 3 and 4. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. I I heard a while ago that they might they're considering taking the Defender range and like adding models above within Defender uh, range. Interesting. Yeah, uh, like a more lux kind of like a Range Rover, but a Defender type, mm. which you then go, well, okay, well, hang on a minute, what's going on? Yeah, and you but but to the same extent. I do. I do think. I think. Well, actually, what's the difference between an Audi, uh, between an Audi Q two, three, four, five, yes. seven? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And I, sometimes I'll look at them and go, or I'll look at the Mercedes range of SUVs and not necessarily, at a, certainly at a glance, go. Is that, is that an, is that is that a C? Is that a, any, I, I, you know? And it just and the, they 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 are just they look slightly different and are of different sizes. So is it? Would it be that bad if Land Rover had extended the range? I don't think it's a bad idea. A bit, you know, might be okay. Might work. I think might doing work quite nicely. I think I would love it if all manufacturers, pretty much to every every size of car, did even and it could even look exactly the same. Did like a normal level interior refinement, and then they did like a high interior oh, refinement version, like Ford's Vignale spec. Which has a higher is that like that? Well, yeah. So it, it, that's that's kind of yeah, that's kind of I think like I don't know, might, might have been gear, I suppose, back in the day. But yeah, Vignale is supposed to be the uh, or Vignale, as it's commonly known in the office, is <laughs> um, kind of like the more luxurious version. Okay, yeah. 
but you don't see very many. But you'll, you'll see, you'll occasionally see one. It'll say Vignale on the on the back uh, in this sort of italic chromed font. And I always thought that actually that might work really nicely on a Fiesta. I'm not sure the sales figures necessarily back it up. Yeah, but I'd yeah. love a small car. I'd love a small, really luxurious small car. I think that yeah. would be terrific with that I can park really easily. Like a you know, I, I, I like I like minis, but I'd love to drive a mini that had the same interior isolation as Range Rover. I'm not going to get to Rolls Royce standards or Range Rover standards, but you know, if it got closer, I'd be thrilled. It'd be amazing. I go, yeah, you could do I a like, lot of I could things. drive a really small car. I can park where I like, and um, is as is as quiet as a really big car on a on a long journey. I think amazing. we're getting. I'd love that. with EVs. We're starting to see this. Yeah, we could be getting like it, EVs yeah. definitely around town because you've got no engine noise. Like they are quite, they are quite quiet. And for all the reasons we've discussed before, they're starting to make them more refined. I think. Yeah. When we get to Gen Two, because I don't think we've re- we haven't really had Gen One of like ground up small EVs. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, well, Nissan might sort of argue differently, might they? I suppose because they've had the the leaf for so long. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. It still feels like most manufacturers are still yeah. nudging into it because batteries are so expensive that it's hard to make a small car or make any money out of an EV. And and then we're getting crossovers. Hard to make money out of any small car. Yeah, hard to make money out of any small car, let alone an EV. Um, yeah, it's what was it? But I yeah, think it, was, it would be cool, wouldn't it? it? Would be great. How it would be the, cool. E two hundred eight is pretty refined, isn't it? It's not bad. It's pretty good. Like it's it's, it's actually pretty good. Mm. Um, it's and in terms of coming to a stop and pulling away and all that sort of thing, the in town smoothness because mm. because it's because it's seamless. That is, I'm always, I'm always impressed by that. I always love that. Just the, I mean, I, don't, I hate sitting in traffic, but if I'm going <laughs> to sit in traffic in anything, an EV is perfect because you just ease, yeah, rolling very gently, very smoothly. I love that. The the sort of can you reverse my driveway has a bit of a, an angle on it and sort mm. of reversing round a corner up an incline in a car at low 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 speed i feel like is like a incredible test of drivetrain and refinement of yeah. <laughs> of yeah. calibration and nothing gets close like some cars are good at it i was surprised how good the bentleys were at it um mm-hmm. But just to, nothing does it does that like an EV. Just no. And the speed with which you can knock between forward and reverse in a car park, just sort of tapping the thing forward and then backwards, mm. if you're sort of shuffling into a space, you, you you get out of waiting people's way so much more, so much more, so much more quickly. Um, they've got yeah some real key advantages around around town. And if yeah. the yeah, and if the dynamics and the isolation get better and better, yeah, I'll be thrilled. I want a, yeah. A, a, a car the size of a Mini with the interior isolation of a... I mean, a Ghost would be ambitious, but... Yeah, but why not? Something better. But why not? Yeah, let's let's aim high. <laughs> aim yeah. high. Aim yeah. high, and then if they come in at 50% of that, you're like... Yeah, that would be pretty good. good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm lining up. So my E208 is a lease, and that... Mm-hmm. Now, I've still got a while. I've still got, like, another year. But I'm like, okay, Are you thinking what's, already? what's going to come out um, when uh, that... Yeah that runs out of its lease. Um, Do you enjoy and, that phase of the, of the thinking slash buying slash leasing process? That sort that's, of build up. I feel like that's more fun than the buying. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, what do I want to buy? What are the options? Mm. Can I make this work? Can I make that work? And then doing all the research and 
driving things and reading reviews and whatever. It's more fun than the actual purchase and collection and drive home, I think. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Wouldn't disagree. Um, and you can spend endless hours planning and thinking mm. about once you've got it, you've got it. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. I've got it now. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But like, Does it live up to expectation now? That's the thing. Yeah. Is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't think we'll see this, the, like, I don't think we'll get too many small EVs in the next year. I, I can't think of any that are sort of coming. That uh, nudge it uh, out the way. No, I can't. Off the top of my head. No. I always let people, are people put me in the spot by asking me that sort of thing and i just think um i can't remember i'll just go go and look it up but yes i'm not (laughs) nothing suddenly strikes what is a shame is that the bmw i3 will no longer be made this year yeah possibly gone out of production already actually but um feels like a car ahead of its ahead of its time that to me you know as an ev never quite refined and rode well enough actually it was never quite quiet or um comfortable really enough i don't think but uh it was an early you know it was an early it was an early EV with a very clever, stiff body. So, you know, inevitably that was a bit noisy. But um, There is no replacement for that. No. Like, and I, there's no I, I3, but there's nothing even close. No, no, which is, a shame, which is a real shame, I think. We've, funny enough, that, that awards you, you were talking about earlier, we, uh, Autocar, teamed up with um, National Motor Museum at Bewley and mm. asked a load of readers to pick five cars that they thought would be classics in 50 years time. And I think the oh. I3 was one, it was one of the top five basically. It, and, and I think it, it really will be, I think in, you know, 20, 30 years, we'll feel the way we do about, uh, not quite the mini, but you know, things like the mini or the yeah. Audi A2 and things like that. I think people will go, Oh yeah, that was a real benchmark groundbreaking car that will be interesting for decades decades to come i think i think so and it's the start of the new era of yeah feels significant you know and whatnot and it's fun the cars are good uh what other cars are in there uh alpha julio quadrifolio um alpine a110 the i3 the land rover defender and one more which i can't quite remember off the top of my head but all those and you'd think you know i'd be very happy to open the garage in 50 years time and see um see any of those sitting in it i think they're all interesting i think they're all good and oh, oh and the gr yaris oh of course the jerry has of course yeah of course um, which, gear, the, which is a good which is a cool car in the sort of stupid value car and, and i'm gonna say i don't know plus a hundred plus hundred to like infinity um yeah. What do you think we'll look at in 20 years' time and go, those were the, like, some high marks? Or not I say high marks, but just standout cars. Because of the way, because of the way uh, powertrains are going, I think we will look at the, the most spectacular engine stuff and remember that at the moment. So things like... I don't know. Uh, are, you, are you thinking that something like a Ferrari 458 Speciale would be too old for this? No, I think that, I, I think that for me, that is that, one of the cars, but I don't yeah, know whether it's think, like my age and when it was sort of cool and, and, and stuff like that. But in my 20 car garage, 50 car garage, I would have a Speciale. 
and I would yeah, have it I think above any of the replacements to that car. Yeah, I think I probably, I think I probably would too, just on the basis of how spectacular the engine is and how light the car is as a res- as a result. Mm. But I do love the the handling balance of the four eight eight and the F eight because they've got so much more torque. They're mm. so playable. You know, there's such a such an outrageous chassis that you know you can chuck around more easily, I think, than the four five eight. But I but I agree. I think because of its precision and just because of the way that engine whales and everything, I think that would be that would be the one. So I think I think in twenty, thirty years, if you were looking at landmark cars now, it would be the most spectacular um internally combusted stuff or the most groundbreaking EV stuff. So I think the Tesla Model S will be really interesting in 40 years. In fact, Tesla, the original Tesla Roadster be re- it probably already is actually really, a really interesting um, yeah. potential classic potential classic car. That was the first one of the, was one of the first EVs that I, that I, that I drove, but it was the, the interesting thing about it is for a long time afterwards, we drove it from Autocar's office, which was Teddington at the time. And we drove it up to Myra proving ground in the Midlands. And it was one of the few EVs for several years afterwards that we could drive from the office to Myra and actually still do something useful when we when we mm. got there. And charging infrastructure was rubbish at the time. You know, we plugged it in in a workshop and you had to leave it for quite a long, you know, quite a long time. So we drove it up one day, did some pictures, and I think we did the testing the next morning, I think. Yeah. Um but it's yeah, it was it was one of the first cars to have an interesting, you know, to have a proper range you could do something useful with. Uh and I think the S is a. I think the S, the Model S, will be a bit of a benchmark, grand, you know, one of those one of those landmark cars for a, for a little while. When that, yeah, because it's the first um, main car from what is likely to be, and is is now yeah, a, a massive a significant company, manufacturer. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, one of the one of the mainstream, if you like, you know, for all of the disruptors and stuff, you know, they're a car manufacturer like anybody else. Uh, so things like that. So I think, yeah, a Model S and probably something like an Audi RS6 at the same time, because you just go, because it's wild. Can you imagine like a V10, yeah. V2, one generation ago, whatever, two generations ago, RS6, you know, a two and a bit ton V10 naturally aspirated, uh, you know, super saloon. What, what, yeah. heck, what is that about? Um, so yeah, some, I think for me, the, the, of cars that are interesting at the moment, I, I'm, put off by the ones that are just to me seem chasing numbers now mm-hmm. and unfortunately there are mclarens that i like but the and so like 675 lt i i thought was very good yeah. i've not driven the 765 lt um but 720s i thought was cool but i got used to its party trick very quickly um and evs are literally just taking those tricks and just kicking them down the road in a car that can seat seven people and your luggage and whatever. Because you can get a Model X plaid and it's faster. <laughs> it's just yeah. faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, just fast. Yeah. Doing that game to me is now, it's just, I just couldn't care less. It just. No, it, it sort of democratizes that level of power in the end, doesn't it? You know, I mean, democratizes to an extent. I mean, no. Powerful EVs are still expensive because they tend to come with big batteries. But to an ex- yes, but to a to an extent, they all they'll all do it. You know, you don't need an AMG to get that level of power. You don't need a, a an M version 
They're just yeah. they're all they're all they're all ridiculous. And I think part of the part of the reason is because if you want um, to be able to regenerate quite a lot of electricity as you lift off. Uh, or as you or as you slow, yeah, and actually yeah, you kind yeah. of want a big motor to be able to do that because then it can yeah. put a lot of energy back into the battery. And if you've got a big motor generator um, to to generate a lot of energy under deceleration, well, as a byproduct, it gets loads of power going forwards. So you know, it's just it's just the way it I is. Wonder, I wonder if that will change with tech, whether we'll get I'm better at regenerating sure. small yeah, motors. Yeah, I wonder. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. My suspicion is, I mean, things tend not to get less powerful as time goes on you know so my suspicion is we'll we'll just you know the next generation sports car will have more than the last one because we i think there will be a little niche of manufacturers who can turn around and say actually this next generation car is lighter than the last one um Mm. and is a bit less powerful yeah but here here are the advantages because it's got so much power it doesn't matter yeah so it's got 50 horsepower less than it had before but when did you need all that you had before? You know, when is when is eight hundred enough and seven hundred not enough? You know, so yeah, uh, I'm yeah, I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see whether that that is a case. But I think it's a hard thing for a marketing department to turn around and go, "Yeah, here's a new car." Not really as hard. As but then you get yeah. things like I think we're seeing with definitely with Porsche, we're starting to see this like I think like a final hurrah, like a combustion engines are going. Let's just make the fun ones. Let's just do it yeah gt4 rs for example yeah. a car we never yeah. thought would exist no exactly no didn't dare wouldn't no. dare make a car that was faster than a 911 and here it is um have you, have you driven it no not, sadly not no i've heard oh. it uh and uh it, no, no i think um i don't know when we were there is i know there is i know there is one or, there are one or two press cars in the uk but i um uh I could not drive one the other week because I was doing something else. I think I was mm. I was away uh, doing away abroad doing something probably yeah, it's... less exciting than nine thousand <laughs> RPM in a GT4. <laughs> it sounds mega. Yeah, it it sounds does. mega. And I love the idea of a mid-engined. Yeah, I like nine. I love nine elevens, but mid-engined cars are. You know, from a dynamic perspective, if you were putting the engine wherever you wanted to, you'd probably put it there. You'd probably mm. put it in the middle. You know that would be the best place to put it. So I imagine it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's I'm, and we've just seen the the new what is it Sport Classic. Um, oh, so yeah. the the turbo, the rear wheel drive turbo with a manual gearbox, mm. which I like, and, and I, it sounds like we're going to get a few more things like that very yeah, soon. I think that's probably um, true. Yeah, I think that's and true. that one for almost, me was almost like brand new resto mods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the back, just, you know, just that different. little niche stuff, just for the just for the weirdos among you, you know. And I like that. I like the fact that the the industry has got time for that. It's got you know, it's got time mm. for, for for thinking about people like us. I would like to see that from more brands. I can't mm. actually think of another brand that has done something. No, like not that, that style. They the don't, I, and I don't think they have the breadth of range to be able to do it. So I mean, Ferrari does not have a manual manual gearbox and you know so most sports car manufacturers don't do they which gives them doesn't give them that option and lamborghini do some weird little nichey stuff but they're all basically hurricanes underneath it yeah because you know there's there's not the diversity that you get in a in a in a 911 for example or or, you know an example would be i i think m5 cs is that sort of thing Mm. um 
even though we sort of know it was going to happen, but it sounds like it's arrived and everyone's gone, oh, hang on a minute. This is, this is actually quite special. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be intrigued to try an M5, which has got less stuff in it. Just less, just less of everything, you know, just yes. actually here's an M5. We didn't put so much stuff in weighs 200 kilos less than another one. No, none of the seats are electrically operated, you know, or actually an M3 because it's a smaller package to do it. In. Um, and just, I would yeah, like just go. an M5. This goes back to that topic of the Range Rover and stuff. I would like an M5 that's like limited to 130 miles an hour or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, because I don't go to Germany that often. And if I did, okay, I would like possibly be able to go faster. But let's just say 130 and then engineer the car and it doesn't need to go around the Nürburgring. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because an M5 to me should be really comfy. And I think mm. they are pretty comfy if you're in Europe. But here yeah, they're British not. British roads are not. No, I, I ran one for a little while. Uh, latest gen? Just one before. I ran one, but no, I ran one. Crikey. Anyway, uh, yeah, I ran one for a, a month or two and it was not the massive comfort fest that i that it like you should like, be like you i think it kind of ought to be yeah it was you know it's reasonably comfortable but i think our roads are, are poor I was, and i was speaking to an engineer a uk-based engineer um about this and he says you know sometimes we'd go to germany set up a car on some roads you know an initial do an initial dynamic assessment over there you know set it do some do some um durability work on the nurburgring a little bit of performance you know handling stuff on the Nürburgring set it up on the roads around it and then you'd get on you drive it back across France get on the channel tunnel get off the other side and go my god this is terrible (laughs) just like that get on the M20 and go no this is not no sorry we've got to undo everything we've just spent the last week doing this is awful and if you tune them yeah and I do oh we might have talked about this last time I think you know more manufacturers should just go to Wales or um, the north of England and places like that and drive cars around and go oh yeah this is what if you drive here, you will get great steering response and you'll get great body control and you'll get better suspension compliance from side to side just because our roads are not not just because of potholes, partly because of potholes, but not just because of that. You know, our roads are crap. And, yeah, yeah they should uh, – yeah, not not all cars translate to it, which is I, – I do think does translate nicely is the Alfa Giulia Quadrifoglio and even the GTA version, yeah, the really hardcore version. Mm. Still drive it and go, yeah, this is – compliant enough you know this, can, this is nicely controlled um yeah and i would have that over an m car in the uk for that reason but not necessarily if i lived in germany and i can see if you were writing for a german magazine why an m3 might beat a julia but in the uk i put it the other way and we're both right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. with different, uh, with yeah. different outcome. it's something i've thought about recently of i'm not one massively into tuning vehicles mm. too much um, I had a, an M2 at one point and I did the sort of just minor stuff for making okay. it a bit better on track um, and, and actually changed the suspension and then realised that changing the suspension for what I did, I wanted it to be comfy, comfier, and then it didn't do both. Like you couldn't, yeah. couldn't do both. But I wonder with like how much of a difference, let's say, let's say my E-Class, if I took that to somewhat a specialist and said, I want this to be better in the UK, I I suspect the only main benefit would be tire would actually be wheel size, because I think the suspension is yeah. okay. But mm-hmm. I think we it's the wheels that are the biggest the width and the height of the, the rims yeah, is the biggest a little problem. Bit of, 
Yeah, and I think it's funny. So um, I get my information from engineers I follow on social media, but I remember uh, David Pook saying, well, actually, low-profile tyres are not necessarily a barrier to um, decent ride quality. But as uh, David Tuhig, who you've also said this morning, actually, a little bit of sidewall helps quite a lot of cars. And I do, yeah, and I think, yeah, just going down. I get I get why manufacturers do it because we all buy big wheels because they look great. Um, but actually going down a an inch or two and adding a bit of sidewall in i think helps a lot of i think helps a lot of cars i think and often much let's nicer. say with a german car if you look on the german website to configure the car you can get smaller wheels yeah yeah we do so we are slow, weirdly obsessed in the uk with um high equipment levels I, we're, we're always as from my understanding is the uk buyers will tick more options than most other yeah nationalities um, and I don't know if that's because more finance, more cars are financed. I don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's the case, but I think as somebody wants, you know, I know somebody buying a Triumph motorbike and they said, do you want the, the fixed box panniers on the back? You know, the big stainless steel, yeah. really cool looking one, aluminium, look cool looking ones. And he went, how much are they? Well, they're 800 quid. He's like, well, I don't want those. Well, those are actually, they're four quid a month because you're buying it on finance. You go, oh, well, in that case, yeah, fine. And if that is, comes down to 21-inch alloys and uh, pearlescent paint and, oh, yeah, you know, I'll have the carbon seats on the M3 yeah. with a weird little carbon bit in the middle and actually it adds 20 quid a month because it sells easier in three years' time. Yeah, maybe you do. And maybe that's maybe that's why. I don't know. But I um, wonder if it will change. I, I think cause, yeah, I do. Because ride quality is definitely becoming more of a thing. Um, mm. I made sure I had the facelift because – the ride is better and it's like it is. actually better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wonder next iteration, whether the, all these things, people will go like, actually m- most people will order the 19s. Yeah, With EVs, it's, it's interesting because you lose range. With side Different, 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 uh, different, no, oh, yes, different it does size make rims yeah, it does. and different designs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, um, yes, wheel weight will make a difference, but also, yeah, just rolling resistance based on what tires you can, what tires you can get and everything else. It's, uh, yeah. And we're back into that. They're so efficient that you make a difference yeah. with what you do with the small details that you do to them. I do, and I do wonder actually, had we do, had we done some of the things that we're now doing on EVs? So that Mercedes EQXX, it's, it's yeah. aerodynamic efficiency and uh, that new EQS S class-sized battery yeah. electric vehicle that Mercedes is making has got a drag coefficient of 0.18 or something like that, which yeah. is very, very slippery. Had we done that over the past, have we not all just bought bigger and bigger crossovers and everything else? Had we done a bit of that in the last 20, 30 years, we'd have burned quite a lot less stuff. Significantly less. And we'd have made smaller, lighter cars. We might have had more fun as well, actually. And, you know, the road surfaces might have not suffered quite as much. And as if you drive a small car, you've just got more road to mess around in. It's, it's you know, uh, the number of times I drive a very big car down some UK lanes and just go, breathe in yeah. as you go past something else. And you just, you know, in a way that you don't, it's so less, so much less stressful in a small car because you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Underrated, I reckon. It's, it, you know, it is, is, is what it is, unfortunately, at the moment. Mm. And they say you can vote with your, your feet, but, you sort of can, but I you don't know can. whether the general public, I don't think they have the information. 
And maybe that's, no, that's I think not that's giving fair. them the credit, but I, th- I feel like a lot of people I know just buy cars because that's what people have. Yeah, and they, and, and there are things to be said for crossovers and, uh, you know, as a family car, for putting for putting pushchairs and, and car seats into or if you are um, older and you want to slide in, it's much easier to slide in yeah. and out of a car that's at your level than it is to fall in and out of, you know, to, climb, to yeah. fall in and climb out of a low car. So there's lots of reasons that people buy crossovers and SUVs and many of them are justifiable, but they do, you know, inevitably with a bigger, bigger frontal area, they'll burn more stuff. And I, the difference between a Peugeot two, uh, E208 and an E2008 is more marked, I think, I think, than an internally combusted 208 and a 2008. I think. Yes, because to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Small differences in you just notice it in an EV. Like mm. you drive five miles an hour faster, your range drops like a stupid yeah. amount. Yeah. Which is the difference between getting home and not getting home? If it was just, oh, well, it I just be. got fed yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then and that's the, and I, I, that's giving an interesting. Um, I'm not sure how enjoyable I'm finding it, but sometimes that it's a bit of a challenge to go right. Am I gonna am I gonna stop mm. for five minutes for a coffee and fill up, or would I get home quicker if I didn't stop at all um, and just went a bit slower and sat behind this lorry for a while and then yeah. got home with two percent of charge rather than stopping for to, for a quick charge and I'm, i've done that i've had to do that a few times actually and it's quite a oh, i don't know if i enjoy the stress of it or not that's it but I, it's quite interesting it's quite an interesting sort of challenge nerdy point of view if i know i'm doing a return journey that um that is gonna push it like it's gonna mm. push the limit do i approach i do I approach the entire journey with the attitude of I want to get home? As in, oh, yeah, I start driving yeah. reasonably so sensibly away. from the beginning. Yeah. Um, my brother was in a car, I think it was a little uh, Toyota Yaris um, the other day, and he got he realised that, he suddenly realised that he wasn't going to make it to the petrol station. But I asked him about it, and he didn't start driving slower or more sensibly until the end, near the end. When he, oh, really? he was like, oh, I thought I was like a mile away. And I was like, why didn't you start driving like yeah. 10 miles an hour yeah. slower from the beginning? Because it's not like it was a surprise to you. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's only got a certain amount of fuel. It's not like, you know, it's not like oh, oh, the range isn't unlimited. Yeah, it wasn't but a shock. Surely. That, I think in itself, is one of the main arguments against having an EV. If you're like, I quite like having a relaxed life where I get to make my own decisions going mm. like you've got to get in this car and you are ha- having to make the decision of do I drive 10 miles an hour slower for the entire day <laughs> yeah. yeah and this <laughs> is this goes back yeah, exactly and this goes back decades to uh there was that old company car uh program on the telly where they interviewed a lot of company car drivers and there was a lad going who's got an I on the back and I stands for important and things like that and it was a, it was a very fu- a very funny documentary from I think the 1980s late 80s or early 90s or yeah, something yeah. like that and uh, from memory one of the people in it was saying well the thing about having a company car or a car the thing about owning having personal transport is that you get to the end of the road in the morning and you're going to go you're going to turn left and you go to work that's what you're going to do but you could turn right and drive and keep going and just take off and do what you want. And it's that level of freedom in mobility mm. that the car, we've got very used to, to, to having, whether we use it or not, you know, we've got very used to, to having, you know, if the phone goes and I'm in the South and 
it's gran and she's not very well in Scarborough, you can yeah. go. You just get a new and you go. And it, that is that is at the moment what you don't you don't quite have the same level of freedom in an EV. And no. yeah, you, it's not quite the same level of you know. I I uh, I almost took my motorbike down to Somerset. I needed to bring some stuff back, so I so I didn't. And the weather was crap yesterday as well. But I I I would have had more freedom to go where and when I wanted. And as a driver or rider, because that's my thing. I really enjoy that for a lot of people. I don't yeah. suppose they'll mind a bit of extra planning, you know, because they know they, they go a certain distance or whatever, but I, I don't know. There is something about the, um, there is something about the, the sort of loss of flexibility, yeah. which I'm not massively into much as I like EVs, much as I've enjoyed having one. Um, yeah. And I, there, I, yeah, something about that. I have an EV mm. and but I wouldn't have just an EV. At the moment, there's no way on earth I personally would just have an EV. I, I, sometimes it's like, you've got to drive really far. Like, I, I want to drive to, I don't know, Germany. I can just yeah. get in the car and fill it up. And if I want to drive really fast, I'll just fill up more often. But like, yeah, just get in and you go. I had the situation this morning, and it's the first time it's ever happened. I plugged in my uh, my AirPods last night in the charger. Mm. Um, got up this morning, early, probably apparently earlier than my phone thought I should get up, and it hadn't started charging them because no. it goes, yeah, but you normally get up at eight, not oh, seven yeah. or so six or whatever. And mm. they weren't charged at all. It hadn't even started charging in the slightest. And I got up and was like, what the fuck is this? That could happen <laughs> to you with a car. That's infuriating. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's interesting. It just, it requires more, as people say, it requires a bit more planning. It does. And it uh, does. I know Andy, Andy Wallace is a, is uh, lives near, lives in Buckingham, which is not far from here and works quite a lot at the Bugatti factory in, right in, in mm. Alsace and east of, east of France. He drives a Volkswagen ID3. Um, and he, go, and he drives it to the factory and back. And I think he stops for betwe- somewhere between half an hour and an hour to do that yeah. whole journey because he starts with, with the full thing. And he's just, he just, he, he enjoys, uh, he enjoys the, the, the skill of it. And he, and, yeah. he, and he doesn't mind, doesn't mind the planning bit because he's an insurance, an insurance racing driver by, you know, by trade yeah. effectively. So actually it comes pretty naturally to him, I think. And, um, but I, but it doesn't suit everybody in it. And I enjoy it quite a lot, but I don't enjoy I it quite all like the time. It. You know, yeah, yeah, I know. I don't, but not all, not always. It needs to be. Go, yeah, I just, you know, like it's, driving it's just around different. America. Yeah, it is different. It is. You like know, driving around you... America is easy mm. uh, because there's a petrol station every five yards. You know, yeah. for a, for the unlimited road trip, you can go anywhere you want, whenever you want. Just, it's an extraordinary thing to make the shift in the UK, where it's quite, where, where we're effectively quite a small country. You know, is. Uh, relatively straightforward to make the big shift over there would be will take a, a long time i think yeah yeah quite different and actually you get a you get a different sort of level of flexibility because i whenever i get in the car here the, the electric car it's generally uh, generally it's full yeah so I'm, I'm never going to a petrol station and in most of mm. my usage of that car i would it would always be a round trip so i'd never like occasionally whatever but now I pretty much only use that for something that will be a round trip. So I never go to a petrol station and then I get in, let's say one of the sports cars. I have no idea how much fuel is in it. And you might be like, I need to leave at 10 o'clock to get yeah. there at two o'clock, yeah. get in the car and it needs filling up. And you're like, Oh, fuck. 
Yeah. Got to go to a petrol station. Got to touch this dirty fluid stuff. Mm. Like speak to some people, whatever. It doesn't take very long. Um, no, but it is. It does. Uh, it it is. But that it is, is more nice inconvenient to get, to, to get in a to get in a fully yeah in a fully charged and a warm car straight you know, warm. first thing for someone they they heat up very quick they cool down very quickly they heat up very quickly they're very very efficient and that sort of thing and I like that yeah I I, I like that quite but, a lot yeah. you win some you lose some like you, yeah look it'll it'll change it's it's an interesting space um, and yeah it's 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 moving quickly right well. I feel like we've covered most most of the things I wanted to jibber-jabber about. Um, I normally wrap these up with five questions. You've been here before, yeah. so won't give you all five questions. But I can give you a, a, a condensed... Give as many as you like, because I've, I listened couple. to a couple of episodes over the weekend, so I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about them. Okay. That's the other thing, actually, with driving to Somerset. I could uh, listen to some... Podcasts, <laughs> which is nice. Okay, yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you a few, because I actually have, like more than the, nom- the normal amount written down. Uh, if you could only drive one car for the rest of your life and you get £500 something else on the side. So you get it two cars. Be, so, so this is the interesting thing, is that I, I would like, I'd like that car to be able to do quite a lot. Mm. So I keep coming back to... There's a, a car that I, whose owners I follow on Instagram called the Baja 911, which is sort of ramped up on soft... It's 911, but it's yeah. pumped up on soft springs. And it's got a bit of suspension travel and stuff like that. And I just think, God, that would be quite cool because it could be made quite refined. Yeah. You could swap the suspension back off for something a bit lower and have quite a tidy track car out of it again. And it would do it would do a lot of things. I think it would do a lot of things. So it'd be something like that. But whether it would be exactly that, I don't I don't know. I've got an old Volkswagen Beetle, which is in sort of Baja bug spec. Yeah. And that could be that sort of that sort mm. of thing. But it would be something like that. I'd try and get a car that could do a lot. I it think, looks like I we're going to get yeah, something like that from Porsche. Yeah, that would be that. that maybe that would be the one. Yeah, maybe that car would be the one. Yeah, because it'd be great to have a supercar, but then you can only do supercar things with it, and it would be very practical to have a big Range Rover. But then there, it's only doing Range Rover stuff. So I'd also, try and find something that could do a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is a lot of flexibility of being in a lifted car. Like you can do yeah. things you can't do in a sports car. Yeah, exactly. That really winds me up the whole nose lift thing. I can't be asked. Just build, just, I don't care about an extra five kilos of downforce at hundred miles an hour. Take the same off the back and just make it a bit higher. And I'm happy. Yeah. yeah, the yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. And, and especially when it's carbon fiber at five grand a pop for the option. Oh, crikey. No, just, I mean, maybe I'd feel differently if I had 300 grand to burn and a big collection of cars. Maybe I wouldn't bother so much, but, I don't know. I just, they just they just feel slightly too unusable for most situations. Most yeah, most yeah, of yeah. But then some some lifts are really quick, like Ford GT. Oh, that's amazingly fast. Click. Yeah, that's spectacular. It's an event. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll make an exception for that because it's a racing <laughs> car anyway. So yeah, exception for Ford GT. Okay, best value car under fifty k. Ooh. Uh, mm. Depends. It uh, depends what you're. Uh, I think it depends slightly what you're using it for. I think uh, as a f- fun sports car, I'm told the GR. I haven't driven the GR86 yet, but I'm. I'm. It's. Uh, I'm told they're fantastic. Yeah. Um. So I think from fun for pound, uh, one of those. And if you are a company car user and you want the best value car, it's probably something like a, a 
Kia EV6 or maybe a Tesla Model 3 because okay. with a Tesla you get the supercharger network, which is great. Yes. Makes a actually, that's, that's, you know, that's a real terrific um, reason for having a Tesla over anything else, I think, still at the moment. Yeah, it is. And, and there are rumours that we're not part of, you know, all this, the Europe, what Europe wants to do anymore. So we may not get this, but the fact that I, I wouldn't be surprised, it would be great if that opened up to other... Yeah, yeah I picked up a Model 3 Ferrara Wars last week and uh, the guy in the shop was saying, yes, he thinks it's coming, but they haven't, they haven't been told when yet that they think it's coming. If I was a Tesla owner... I'd be pissed. I might be a bit miffed about that. Yeah, I think I'd be. I think I'd think. Hmm, hang on a bit. I think I'd rather have it for myself. But as you know, when you go past most supercharger stations, most of them are not busy all the time, are they? They've usually got a few. Though I went one the other free, day. So I, maybe it was. I can't remember where it was. I feel like it was on the M1 or something. And um, and there was like twelve supercharging spots, and there was like hmm. eleven cars. Oh really? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So that's the thing, isn't it? I think if I t- if I had a Tesla and I turned up to a supercharger thing and I found four uh, non-Tesla cars and half the bays and they were all they were therefore I couldn't get on, yeah. I'd start to think yeah, I'd start to be a bit cheesed off about that. I reckon. At least though, being a Tesla, you would know it was full before you got there. You would. Yeah, you would. That is a very fair point. You just carry on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's, be- that system's terrific as well. That system's really good. That's it would be a, cool you know, to see more of that because now stopping at where conventional petrol stations are, like it's all a bit same same. You might have an MS, a Waitrose, or whatever mm. Shell type stuff. I would way rather charge my car at a cool little cafe, and like there's no reason that why you couldn't do better. that. Obviously, on a motorway, no, you might no want reason. to stay on the motorway, but mm. if it's a little one minute off and you actually stay, you just go into a nice little village. Plug your car yeah, in and, and that'd be really cool. Hang out yeah, for twenty that'd minutes. Cool. That'd be really nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, most undervalued car at the moment. What should be worth more of any value? What should be worth? Oh, classic Undeva- or uh, undervalued of? Any, I mean, of any value of yeah. anything. I'll tell you what. The Hillman Imp is the uh, most uh, undervalued car, which <laughs> you may want to know. I bought one about five months ago, and uh, it's so Hillman and values go between sort of three and seven thousand pounds. So seven thousand okay. pounds is as nice as they get, and three grand as well as is you'll get a resto case. And uh, they're as interesting as um, a mini. They're interesting to package. They're rear wheel drive. They've got a rear engine, an aluminium Revy rear engine based on a you know Coventry Climax um, engine. So they're really interesting. Gordon Murray's got one and thinks they're terrific. They're just fantastic and. They are about a fifth, I would say, of the value of an equivalent mini. Mm. I reckon. And you know, if you if you are spending twenty five grand on a on a Mini Cooper, an equivalent imp will cost you about five. They're just they're just got. I'm hoping to turn mine into one of the best handling cars that I've ever driven. That's the plan. Nice. Um, How much I just they weigh? Get it going first. Weighs about, I think, with a cage and everything else. Mine's got a cage in it. I think it weighs about seven fifty, something like that, seven hundred fifty kilos. So they're just—they're clever. They were built for—they were made in Scotland by the Roots Group, and they were made for a while. I can't remember how many they made. Maybe half a million, uh, mm. something like that. But uh, they had very early quality problems in early cars. Um, it was a new factory. The staff were not. You know, it wasn't it wasn't 
another line at an existing car factory. Um, and I think they sorted it out with later cars, but it never, you know, it just, it struggled with its reputation yeah, yeah. early on. But I think they make great cars now. You know, I mean, a rear-engined rear-wheel drive car for, um, you know, that weighs less than 800 kilos and has a really revvy engine. So I'm, yeah. that's, so I think as classics go, they're criminally undervalued. He says, talking up the value of the car he's fair, just bought. Fair play. Fair, fair, fair yeah. enough. I mean, it sounds like... Not that, I'm, not that I intend thing. to sell it. Yeah. Not that I intend to sell it at all. Uh, right. Most interesting car to you at the moment. Uh, I was listening to you the other day talking to the designer of the Morgan Super 3, and I'm really mm. interested about that. Loads going on. Because I just thought, oh, it's a new Morgan three-wheeler. But the fact that there is yeah. no wood under the body, the wood, the panels are stressed, the, the idea that those big aluminium castings that they've that they've put in are structural chassis castings, but also engine mounts. Um, I love the, the way he was talking about the wheels. It's not got the wire wheels anymore, but because you, they want to put the hubs closer to the wheel center for better dynamics. Yeah. So the middle of the wheel sticks out further than the tire. So they've redesigned the tire to make it look like it doesn't really loads of really interesting stuff. I just think, if, and it's yeah, also I, a small, light, affordable driver's car. Brilliant. I'm all over that. Yeah, it's the most interesting car for yeah. me um, that of, was the, of, the, of the moment. One of the things yeah, thing I took away from that, of talking to them, because you, you see them suddenly come out and you're like, okay, it's just a new three-wheeler. And I drove the old one, yeah. it's kind of fun, but like yeah. equally kind of awful at the same time. It's like time. a classic from the off, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you talk to them and you're like, no, you what you've, the main changes you've done will make this better to drive. Yeah. It's not yeah. just about how it looks or whatever. It's going to be better to drive and better mm. to use and better to do road trips in and all of this yeah. stuff. Like brilliant. And all of the and I, I do like the way it looks. And the 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 fact that most of it is because it's functional mm. is really great, isn't it? You go, Oh yeah, that makes perfect. Yeah, now now, now I see why it looks like that. And it's just yeah, I think that's really uh I think we I haven't I haven't seen one in uh, the flesh yet i've only seen it in pictures but i think oh, okay, we spend yeah, a bit yeah. more time with it in june i think we get to spend some time with it and i can't wait I'm really excited yeah it's cool and normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
and in the flesh i had a look around of it it in in the place in london and then then um and then saw an old one and i mm. hadn't seen an old one in a while but having looked around the new one and then looked around the old one you're like oh wow this looks so different Oh, uh, really? Is it because sometimes a new car comes out and suddenly makes the old one look quite old, doesn't it? It looks and really old. It's, it's like that, yeah. Um, and and I I like the look of the old one, but now having yeah. seen the new one, I a hundred percent I would if it, if it was like a you could just have this car or this car, I would have the new one over the old one. Like that that for me, I think I haven't, without having driven it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I can't wait to. I can't wait to have a go. But yeah, right. Final question: five car garage. Unlimited value. Uh, yes, this would be complete, completely different to the last one. Um, uh, Discovery three or four, but modded, modded slightly, probably for a bit extra refinement. Um, I mean, they're mm-hmm. very refined anyway. But I just love them to bits. They're so practical as a sort of everyday practical tow car. Uh, yeah. I'd like a uh, a pre-war racing car, something like a Bugatti Type thirty five or something, probably. Um, something with yeah. two seats ideally because then you can multi-purpose it and A, do some racing at some amazing events but also um, you could go to the pub on a Sunday you know, yeah. which would be really mega Yeah, be uh, I might keep my Baja Bug which is this mm-hmm. and just uh, for, for modding because I think it'd be cool to have something that's slightly soft and plush off-road that you can go green laning in that is yeah. um, bouncy and stuff as well and then that's three. is that three or is that four? That's three, I think. That's three. Oh, excellent. Uh, Porsche 917, just because. <laughs> Why not? Just because. I've got, I can tow it behind the um, thing and run yeah. it at the same time as the other one. Uh, and then, I don't I don't know, probably a, a small, lightweight sports car of some kind, but it would be nice if it felt bespoke. Probably an Alphaholics GTA-R, I think, would do the job. And I think I'd probably use that a lot. Mm. Um and because uh, you can drive them quickly and they go quickly you can drive them on track you can drive them on the road they're enjoyable everywhere and they feel like a you know, really high-end jewelish piece of Dang. piece of kit i sort of like my imp to become something like that on <laughs> yeah, yeah. the budget that i can spare and i'm told alphabetics have some enormous waiting list anyway so even if you have got 300 grand yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll go yeah we can get back to you in 2 years or years or so. somebody told me yeah so uh, yeah so that would be so that would that would do it they'd be sorted yeah mm, quite i think thing, for me for for my um unlimited five car garage i think the first thing i would do just in this the problem is it needs to fit into your life but i would want to move because at the moment I'm in like it's London-ish and there's just yeah. like, it's not fun getting in a car and driving for 20 minutes. Like there is That's no a, fun driving around me. No. Um, and especially if it's, I, I heard you say this the other day about um, a Ferrari F40 gives you an amazing half hour fix. Yes. And it strikes me a bit like listening to some weird freeform jazz or Jeff Buckley or something <laughs> I can't, that I can't listen to for very long, but I, I would like yeah. listening to for a bit. And then go, okay, I'm done, I'm done now, and now I need to listen to something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. And, and some cars are a bit like that, aren't they? They're an amazing fix, but you just... You just... want to drive it, like, like you said, like yeah. to the pub or yeah. to a restaurant or to a cafe, meet some friends, and then come back. And you probably yeah. don't want to drive for that long, maybe 40 minutes or half an hour or something, and the drive to be fun. Yes, exactly, yeah. And that's a thing about a sort of, you know, a road trip to... Um, a road trip to the Nordschleife to then do some stuff around the circuit. And I, th- I think I've 
was I think I saw somebody on social the other day and they'd taken um they they'd done one of the destination Nürburgring track days or something and they'd taken their nine yeah. eleven GTS rather than a GT three for that for that reason. You think, well, actually I was gonna spend a day getting there and a day getting back. <laughs> and just the extra ten percent that a GT three might give me on track is yeah. probably just too much like hard work. You go, Yeah, I can I totally yeah, totally get that. Because some cars are a bit like motorbikes. I think I I enjoy my peak motorbiking more than I enjoy my peak driving. But right. for the rest of the time, there are times I've had much more miserable times on a motorbike than I've ever had in a, <laughs> in a car on the way to the greatest rides ever. And that's the, um, that's the, there's a, yeah, fitness for purpose for everything, isn't there really? Yeah. And I think I'm getting over time, I'm going like more and more polarized. Well, mm. I sort of am not. I basically, I think I'm just like, I want something super luxurious and nice for all of the time. And then if I'm yeah. getting in a sports car, I want it to be awesome and like yeah. raw and that's it. Because as soon as you start doing the middle and you're like, I want to drive a sports car all the time, that's not actually what they're good at. No, it's not. Like, no, it's not. Although with the with the sort of recommending the weird stuff right on the extremes, which I feel like I'm into a bit with the with the with with sort of extreme cars mm. and resto mods and stuff like an aerial nomad and things like that, and the three and the Morgan three wheeler to an extent, I sort of think, God, do I sound like some kind of film reviewer who's only banging on about three hour long German language <laughs> dark comedies, <laughs> yeah, and just like, you know that nobody's got any interest in what? No, I just want to take my brain off for two hours. What are you talking about? Some weird, challenging, oh, yeah. it's such an interesting film. You're thinking about it in three weeks' time. I don't want to think about it in three weeks' time. I just want yeah. to, I just want to do it two hours. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I, I'm slightly, every time I, somebody says, I say that should, on should I buy a three-wheeler? Yeah, should I buy a three wheeler or a Morgan or a, or an Aerial Nomad? And I go, oh, absolutely. Maybe they maybe they get one and go, what the hell? You talk, what the hell are you yeah. recommending? As much as I say it, like I don't, like I don't live it. I don't do mm. it. I, and now, like right this second, I also have a Gen Two Nine Nine One GTS Ooh. that I bought to live with a Nine Eleven. Yeah. Um, which means I have three 911s, but one is a GT3 RS 997, and I never drive the 997. Like, really? I just don't drive it, and I have the, mm. it's there. Yeah, I just don't drive it, and I think the reality is I'm either going a long way. My drives at the moment are either a long way, so an hour and a half down a motorway or something yeah. like that, or they're quite short and they're kind of towny-ish. Mm. So neither of those sitting in a hardcore car with thin windows is good. No, no. You need to live somewhere else, basically. That's the short You've just got to live somewhere else. That's, that's the yeah. <laughs> solution. Right, well, there, um, there we go. I think we sort of, can't, I don't know what conclusions you can draw from that. Hardcore no, cars are nice. That. Middle of the road cars are nice. Luxury yeah, cars, all cars are, are nice. great. Basically, cars are great. That's the short of it. Yeah, regardless yeah. of what they're powered by and regardless of what they are, they are much... Second-class driving is much better than first-class walking. That is the... That is the <laughs> yeah. Right, well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me again. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it.